hear these words from, uh, as we continue in Ephesians, our study for the summer. So as, as we discussed last week, that we think most likely this was Paul um, writing to the church in Ephesus, but maybe designed for a wider audience. Thank you, Jim. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, who were called uncircumcised by Jews who were physically circumcised. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenants of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ, Jesus, you who were once were so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups, making he reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who were far away from God and to those we both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. The whole building is joined together in him, and it grows up into a temple that is dedicated. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. So for the youngsters who are with us online today, I know there's always a few because I hear from them. So um, last week we talked about kind of learning how to ride a bike. Remember that for those that were here? We talked about that you need help sometimes, right? And a teacher. So, so what's the first thing you have to learn to ride a bike? Keep your balance. That's a really good and that's kind of the main one, right? You have to learn how, what it feels like to be steady and balanced. You could, it's something you just have to do to learn. Nobody can kind of tell it. You, can, you just have to learn that. And so there are a couple ways that we do that. One of the ways is sometimes we use these little wheels, you call it training wheels, that help us stay upright enough to learn what it feels like to be upright. Right? Keep you balanced while you learn. Comforting to know that you won't fall over because you have those little wheels. Truth be told, I never had those in my bike. I learned another way. Well, I, I did have somebody holding on to the bike for a while, and then I turned around and they were like, way back there. And then the car in front of me, never mind. The parked car in front of me. That was a whole other story. Anyway, so, um, but. Whether it's training wheels or somebody holding on, right, you, you need to learn what it's like to be balanced. So not worrying while you learn is a And so in the letter that we heard from the Ephesians, Paul writes about peace. Several different meanings. Um, if you look at the dictionary, one of the, one of the meanings is the absence of war. That's, it is true, but that's a little shallow. That's not exactly what Jesus means. I don't what Paul means. I mean, it can mean being calm and quiet. It can mean the lack of arguing. It can mean not getting upset or having bad thoughts. But Paul writes, Jesus is our peace. Meaning that true peace comes from outside ourselves. 
And Jesus wants his followers to experience a peace that we can have even when life may seem unsteady and out of control like it is to learn how to ride a bike. When I think of peace, I think of, you know, calm. But when you think about riding a bike for the first time, you're worried about falling over and getting hurt. But knowing something is holding you up can get I think that's why Paul's trying to remind that Jesus is our peace. Something you can trust. You don't have to worry about falling over who Jesus calls each one to be, no matter how out of control things seems to be. Not that Jesus is our training wheels, but it helps, right? God of love, God of peace, thank you for reminding us through Paul's letter that there are many ways to feel peace. Thank you for the calm presence of your who is our peace that's always with us, even when things give us peace. Amen. Okay, so... This passage also talks about being a dwelling place. It's a dwelling place. Dwelling place is where we, where we go, where we feel secure, where's home, right? So if we're supposed to be a dwelling place, dwelling place for God, what do we do? How do we present the community of faith, the church, to the wider community? How do we present to that to, to everyone else, something worthy of that designation. In the second chapter of Ephesians, that is a description for the church, the dwelling place of God. God takes up residence, home, amongst us. How's that for a mind-bending start for today? Huh? God takes up residence amongst us. So what does that mean if we are supposed to be God? That's kind of humbling, isn't it? And awesome all at the same time. Well, according to this passage, at least, the core of it is this idea of peace. We're the dwelling place of God because we've broken down the walls that divide. Who has a place? Who doesn't have a place? What can we do as a worshiping community to show others that they, too, have a place? Now, the things we do um, you know, in our community to, to do that, you know, that we are present with other there are things in our facility that we do to make things more um, inviting for people to be with us. You know, we, I know over the last year we, we added the restroom back here, right? So we can actually go to one without stairs. Now, why they didn't think of that in 59, I have no idea, but they didn't. So, um, so you know, those little things can make a big difference in telling people that you are welcome here. But not all of what we do is that easy to access, is it? Just an example. How do we make room for those who are not like us, but yet in so many important ways are very much like us? Tough questions, huh? I thought you were going to give us a nice, easy sermon about peace today, preacher. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> you know me, I like us to think a little bit about what we believe and apply that to our life. And this idea of division, though, of, of in and out, is nothing new to the people of God. The fact that it's written about in so many of Paul's letters says it's always been an issue of people. Read in Acts 2 about the big, huge discussion between Paul and Peter about who's in and who's out and how the Gentiles are included and not included. And it's a whole big debate. It was a big, huge thing. Go read it. It's interesting. So, Division amongst the people of God has apparently always been there. 
So in this past particular passage, Paul's writing about the, this, this us and them, the then and now, right? Then, you know, before you were, but now you are, right? There is the in and the out, the strangers and the citizens, the aliens and the members of the household. That's the language being used in this passage today. And then yet, it talks about peace. With all that language of division, how is there peace? I mean, it sounds like it would take a monumental effort to overcome all those divisions, break down all those walls. And that is absolutely right. It seems like it's something beyond us, like something we can't quite accomplish. And that's absolutely right, because we can't by ourselves. You see, what Jesus did, Jesus, well, he did that. Sometimes we rely on Jesus so much, we accept Jesus as the answer for so much. I mean, you know, I, I take children's time as a great example. Every question you ask, the answer is Jesus, because it's children's time at church, right? So it's automatic. So much of what we believe is, is automatically attributed to Jesus that sometimes I think we even forget what question we're asking. We like to focus on the solution that sometimes we forget just how pervasive and immense some of the problems really are. We love this image of Jesus strolling with us. He walks with me, right? It is a great image, and it's incredibly comforting in our lives. But sometimes we forget that the walk is sometimes a hard climb up a seemingly insurmountable peak. I know some of you have had those kind of struggles in your lives. So here is this passage. Christ is our peace. We love that idea. We lean into it. We, we beg for peace. Jesus is the comforter who tells us it's going to be okay before sending us out into the chaos sometimes that surrounds us. But you can just hold on, we think. We can just stay uncorrupted by all that stuff around us. Then, then maybe we can just come back into the arms of Jesus and be upheld, which is true. Jesus does soothe and comfort we know hard times come. We know that hopes and dreams sometimes get dashed. But we also know that that's not the whole story. We know there's more. We know there's this thing called eternity that's just beyond our reach. We know that there's this thing of God's time, God's reign, God's kingdom that is still yet to come. And we know Christ welcomes us home. And we hold on to that, right? That's what sustains us sometimes through the very dark and difficult parts of our lives is that knowledge that Jesus welcomes us into that kingdom yet to come. And that is the Jesus we can rely on. But it's not all of Jesus. When Paul writes, he is our peace, I don't think the only thing in mind is that quiet, gentle, comforting Jesus who wants to give us time to ourselves. As a natural introvert, I really like that image of Jesus. Time to ourselves to recharge, Right? I think there's something bigger, though, all of this. There's transformation. Being told it's all going to be okay is great when we need it, but that can't be all there is in our faith because there's always this push towards something better and pushing us toward to be something better. I warned Sandra I was going to do this, but so sometimes popular culture gives us some glimpses in the truth of faith, believe it or not. Sometimes kernels of truth come from really surprising sources. So behind this 
comforting Jesus is this Jesus that pushes, right? And does amazing, but also at great cost. So in lyrics from, of all people, Miley Cyrus, not exactly the image of godliness that you would think of, um, definitely not the image of the choir and the robes, right? But here you go. Here's this kernel of truth. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. All I wanted was to break your wall. All you ever did. See, the wrecking ball is about breaking down walls in this particular passage between the Gentiles and the Hebrews. But Jesus did a lot of that. See, these walls that divide us, the walls of hostility. In love, he hits so hard. All the things that, that we keep us separate, all the measures we use to rise above the other, to be better than the other person, to be more than the other person, to be more important than the other person. Does that sound humanly familiar to any of us, right? This desire to separate somehow. All that's broken down, knocked down, and obliterated, actually, just destroyed. But that battle to destroy all of that was not easy. It had a high price. It took blood. It took death. It took all that Jesus had to pour out for us. But he did it. He came in like a wrecking ball trying to dismantle systems of separation, dismantle systems of of me being better than you, and he got wrecked in the process. But the walls came down because of the walls came down. The tragic thing is our reality. In other words, in our humanness, we're all human, right? We all have our flaws. But in our humanness, we still think we live behind those walls. We still think we're defined by those walls. We still think we should keep to ourselves, to keep to our own kind, to stay safe. Jesus paid everything to tear the walls down, and yet we still live at times like they're still there. We still live like there's strangers and aliens. We still live like there are those who are in and those who are out. We still live like those who are near and those who are far. The result of living that way is sometimes we're the ones who end up. As long as we work to try to rebuild the walls that Jesus tore down, we will find ourselves on the wrong side of the wall. He's what binds us together. He's the one that spent his life dealing with people that other people forgot. In the gospel lesson this morning that was read, right? Jesus has compassion on the crowd. And everywhere he went, people were bringing him. All story after story is, is of Jesus spending time with the people that everybody in the authority told him he could not spend time with. Spend time with the tax collector, and they go, oh my, did you see who Jesus had dinner with? He spoke with the woman at the well, who uh, under every rule, he had absolutely no reason to talk to. Even his disciples say, what are you doing? See, the divisions that the world set up, and even the human systems in the established church at the time of the Jesus, Jesus tore those walls down, because Jesus' vision was bigger. He's our peace. This wrecking ball of peace that knocks down these divisions, the the madness of superiority, and binds us together with those who, turns out, are just like us. 
claim Christ as our peace does not, doesn't mean we just get along with those on the inside, but it means we, we reach out to find community with those outside. It means we can stand in solidarity with those who were abused and who were suffering and those who were neglected, those who were searching to belong to something outside themselves. When their own families have failed them, people are hurting. Realizing this, this wallless vision of who God's people are allows us to stand against things like racism, prejudice, hate, any other isms you can think of. Recognizing that we are the dwelling place of God means that we take up the causes that God, through the prophets, through, have stressed through the century. I mean, if you look back through all of Scripture, God is always trying to take care of those the community and the world leaves out. Even all the laws, you know, a whole bunch of the laws in like Levit- Leviticus, for example, the most exciting book in the Bible. But even though some of those laws are, are simply to take care of those who are on the fridges who are left out of the society. In other words, when you, when you harvest your crop, you leave the corners for those who don't have any food so they can eat. There's always the provision for those who everybody leaves out, who the world wants to leave out. Some of you may have seen the Facebook Live post I posted a couple weeks ago, um, immediately following a moving, well, convicting, really, conversation with grew up in the church not this church specifically but the church and was no longer part of the church at all largely because of the walls that individual experienced i'm very interested in finding the wall that we may not even know we create there are too many people too many people who don't know that again because i think this is cut out on me because i got too soft There are too many people who don't know Jesus is our peace. And by our, I mean all of our, y'all. Most of the walls that keep people away are of our own creation. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. What walls, what divisions do we need to pray against? And pray by calling upon the power of the indwelling God to strengthen us for the task of dismantling the systems and the structures that oppress and separate and divide. We're called to be peacemakers. If Jesus is our peace, we who follow him are supposed to be the peacemakers. Does that follow? That's not about sitting back and feeling good about ourselves. We have to do that every now and then, but that's not what this is all about. It's about walking where Christ walked, about spending time in and among the people, it's about sharing the fact of Jesus and how he is our peace. And that might require us fighting for it. Every day. might require us to be more like a wrecking ball. Jesus is our peace. The kind of peace that sustains, the kind of peace that strengthens, the kind of peace that convicts. Who do we know in the world other than just ourselves? Let's find him. Let's invite him to come with us. The price on the cross was too high. 